0: You've thumbed up the Difference Makers podcast, presented by the Savannah Economic Development Authority. Good day to you. I'm Adam Van Brummer, your host. And this is Difference Makers, where we interview Savannah area community leaders about what they do how they do it and why. Difference makers hail from several sectors, including commerce, government, education, arts and culture, and philanthropy. You probably recognize the names or at least organizations that these difference makers represent. This podcast is a chance to learn what makes them successful. I'm joined on the final difference makers of 2019 by quite possibly one of the biggest difference makers of 2020, and that is Mayor Elect Van Johnson, who's kind enough to come in. In advance of his taking office, Van, Van what do we got, about uh, eight, nine, ten days? Nine days. <laughs> nine days. I'm not, counting, no, I'm not counting, though. <laughs> I'm not counting. Counting it down. i uh, not counting. Appreciate him coming in, and we're going to start, we're going we're gonna to get to all the city business a little bit later down the road, but we're going to start where we usually do, and that's with background, and I was joking with Van that uh, he has a distinction of being one of the few New Yorkers who is welcomed and embraced here in Savannah, so I wanted to start in New York and his upbringing, and thank you kind of walk us through growing up and, and what your influences were? Sure. Well, um, my my father's from Savannah, um,
1: raised in Savannah. Is from a town outside of Savannah called Esto, South Carolina in Hampton County. Um, my mother is born and raised you know, Brooklynite. Um, my father was in the military and went up, you know, as folks did during those days and met my mother and, And I came, and then some others came after that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been blessed to have them in my life, uh, my entire life. And they've been married now 53 years. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a a huge source of pride for me. I grew up with the public school. Um, Interesting thing, as I tell young people here, I never rode a school bus. Um, In New York, you go to a school that's in walking distance in elementary school. Mm -hmm. And in middle school, um, I took a train. Um, got a train pass and we took the train. Um, and then in high school, I took two buses, two city buses. Um, I think that would be a wonderful thing for public transportation here if we were able to, you know, put these kids on you know, public transportation um, and not necessarily so much reliance on, on school buses and those types of things. It made me grow up. Yeah. Um, and so New York and Brooklyn being what it is, um, you know, it's multicultural, it's just. Um, one of those communities where you could just kind of do anything and see anything. And, um, I was blessed to have people around me in my village that helped me, um, to recognize that I could do anything I put my mind to. Um, and so I've always had a inkling for public service. My, my mother was a nurse and later a social worker. My father, um, was a police officer, correction officer. Um, and, you know, so I guess I've always kind of wanted to do something in the public service. Um, I, I, recently found my yearbook from high school and the straight was two strange things about it that struck me real strange and i don't remember why i did it um on the front of the book you can emboss your name in the yearbook mm-hmm. and on the front of the book i put the honorable van johnson oh man yeah that's sick right <laughs> um but and, and that's what it says
0: well were you thinking honorable were you thinking mayor back then were you taking judge were you thinking i don't know
1: okay but the fact was that, that
0: you know I, I chose that title in high school. Right.
1: Um, and then inside it says what you wanted to be when you grew up. So people wanted to be astronauts, stars, NBA players. And I put a public administrator. Wow. And so my master's is in public administration. So at 18 um, you had yeah, an inkling. Yeah, well, 16. I graduated from high school at 16. Oh, okay. And so I came down uh, to, to Savannah State, um, which was a wonderful experience for me, particularly at 16 years old. I was uh president of the freshman class um my first year here and savannah state really gave me the nurturing that i needed yeah. um being that young and being in a different uh location um i have a grandmother that had a grandmother that was living here so i lived so with her well, that was a connection right. that's what brought you right uh, my mother was like you're too young to go to some of the places i really wanted to go yeah. um but again you know it connected me to savannah and um and i go home after you know every break every vacation and and to be honest with you my plan was very clear that um i was going to be out of here i mean when my five years was up at savannah state i had a ball at savannah state i was out Mm -hmm. um and i would go to new york and you know that time it's 1990 Mm -hmm. um young black male with a a bachelor's degree Mm -hmm. um and got up to new york and found out there was Thousands of them, mm-hmm. uh, and I could not find work. And so I came back to Savannah, um, did my master's degree, went back to New York, still couldn't find work, came back and started working. And, um, you know, just been, people have been placed in my life that, that were played critical roles for me. Um, and I've learned some really significant life lessons. The, the first thing was, um, in between my bachelor's and my master's, and a little after my master's, I mean, I tried to get a job with the city of Savannah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I put an application after application. I knew people within the bureaucracy, and for some reason, I could not get a job with the city of Savannah, and it really upset me. And I was bitter about it for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Older, I recognized if I had gotten a job with the city of Savannah, I would have been able to run for the city of Savannah. And I would not have been able to lead the city of Savannah. So I think the lesson for me is that sometimes, you know, God knows what he's doing. And Mm -hmm. so, although I really wanted that, that it was keeping me away from today and where I am today. Um, And so um, I'm a, I'm a church musician by trade. I'm an organist at a church at Hinesville. I've played for churches all around Savannah. Um, I've always had a, a feel for youth and youth development. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've, um, I was volunteered uh, over 23 years ago about asking about running a youth program the county had. Mm-hmm. And they asked me, Would I just take it on? And I was like, Okay. And that's 23 years later. Um, the Chatham County Youth Commission, which is now a national model in youth engagement and development, um, we've started youth programs all across the country. I mean, I think people don't really recognize that fact. Um, you know, that I've been all over the country using this model to help other communities. I mean, Atlanta or Fulton County has a youth commission based on our model. Uh, Prince George's County has one based of our model. Miami-Dade County has one. Uh, Noonan, Georgia, uh, Kennesaw, Georgia, McDonough, Georgia, Riverdale, Georgia. Um, Alachua County in Florida has one based of our model. Um, Macon Bibb has one based of our, our model. So all these wonderful things were created out of out of right here in Savannah mm-hmm. uh, and Dr. Thomas's vision and, um, the Chatham County Commission and so now these young people are now uh, in their 40s mm-hmm. and um, you know, we had a reunion the other day and, and many of them came back and they're just doing some magnificent things um, but more importantly they're good citizens and they vote and they're engaged and you know they go to meetings and they're just you know their their uh, political antennae is just kind of enhanced because of that experience so you know I have grandchildren and great-grandchildren now through the youth commission right um one of the young men on here now his dad was on the youth commission yeah. um i had his dad in 10th grade and now his son is, is so it makes me feel enormously old but um old anyway. but also very oh yeah um,
0: heartwarming absolutely you know, establish something that can last that long and absolutely have much of an impact so there was a lot to unpack there so i want to back you up so growing up in brooklyn are you you an athlete are you an artist are you a bookworm are you all the above all of the above um so i played
1: i played baseball in high school um and tried a little bit of football i got down here and recognized that um i was way too small Mm -hmm. to play football here so Mm -hmm. that ended quickly Mm -hmm. um and then I'm, you know, I get him a musician. So you know, I have the artist tilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, I'm I'm a fan of reading, um, mm-hmm. and I like reading and researching and finding out stuff I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I fall into all those yeah. buckets.
0: So if you're if you're sports minding, you're in New York. You have your loyalties. Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, let's Yankees, be, Mets, Giants, let's, Jets. Let's be very, very clear. Um, I'm a Yankees
1: fan. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm a Yankees fan. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Giants fan. Uh-huh. Um, strangely enough, um, my father, example, is a Mets fan. Uh-huh. Um, what When the Brooklyn Dodgers left Brooklyn, uh-huh. um, they the, the Brooklyn Dodgers fans refused to become right. Yankee fans, oh, yeah. so that's hence they became Mets fans. Yeah. Um, so again, I'm a Giants fan, I'm a Knicks fan. Again, call me long suffering. <laughs> um, it's, it's often um, a very painful thing to to watch, um, but you know, I just like a hockey team. You know, I could do Rangers or Islanders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm you know pretty cool with that. I think you know, I guess the good part about New York and that is that you have that type of opportunity really to pick and, and so people in New York that's just you know who they're with is who they're with mm-hmm. and so I've been to Madison Square Garden where they are booing mm-hmm. um, it is a hard place to play but on the other end of
0: it you know they're packing out yeah. every yeah. single game. And when you're playing well yeah they love you. Yes they do. Yeah for sure. Church organist when yes. did you get who t- where does the organ come from? It comes from my mother
1: buying me one of these little, it was like a stand-up organ. It, well, I don't even know if it was for me, but I just used to bang on it. Mm-hmm. And um, one year she brought me another uh, little keyboard, and I just found that I had the opportunity to be able to hear and try to play, hear and try to play. It, it just fascinated me. Um, I ended up going to um, Erasmus Hall High School in in Brooklyn, which is um, the oldest high school in North America, I believe. Um, it was founded in the Dutch by the Dutch in the seventeen hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a high school of Barbara Streisand, mm-hmm. um, Clyde Davis, mm-hmm. um, Bernadette Stannis from Good Times. Um, yeah. you know, so I mean, you know, it, it is a huge performing arts school. It doesn't get the um, same feel that the New York City's uh, high school performing arts skits you know that was where fame was based out of right. but but we had some good people come out of Erasmus and so um you know and so being around all those musicians um and I was on the business track I wasn't even on the music track but you know then choral music and and just being around musicians you pick up stuff and so you just kind of do those things and then um I was involved in my church and so by my, my pastor uh, at the time my mentor um his name was Reverend John Quincy Adams, so to speak mm-hmm. um, but he would you know create opportunities to say, hey you know come come on down and and play something for us." and mm-hmm. so I would do it and I was horrible I was gonna but they're teaching you because right. your
0: parents aren't organists right you, no. You, no
1: but the people of the church would just clap and just say, hey <laughs> you know and you know and I'm trying to say that was horrible. what was he playing? We don't even know but, but 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 you know for a young child you know it was really kind of saying, okay, yeah. You could do this. And right. so now, um, you know, I've been playing for churches here over 30 years. Yeah. And so I've done churches. I've done bad bands, um, yeah. um, jazz yeah. sometimes, really some top 40 stuff, weddings, funerals, bar mitzvahs, um, yeah. you know, I'll do all of those um, types of things. Yeah.
0: And it's not an easy thing to learn. Did you eventually start taking some lessons? or?
1: Well, it? I took some theory in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the interesting thing particularly about – Um, the African-American church experience is is that it is extremely improvisational
0: okay
1: Um, and so you learn a lot by messing up right Um, so um, I promised myself that I was going to take more formal lessons Mm -hmm. Um, you know I can sight read a little bit I mean not like some of these guys out here that are just like awesome but um, you know it's something kind of on my bucket list to just you know do for for myself you know it's like getting in the car after, you know it's kind of getting in the car backwards right so you know I'm right. doing it now I want to know why it does what it does yeah so yeah,
0: the other reason I ask is is it in our church we had an organist and she basically retired mm-hmm. and they couldn't find another organist because they're in such demand so few people know it and I'm kind of like well, what church you just, uh, this was St. Michael's oh of, yeah out of Tyvee well right and, and and oftentimes the organs
1: are such I mean you have to have a professional organist to play right. particularly in the Catholic church Episcopal church I mean these are like real pieces of machinery you yeah. have
0: to know what you're doing yeah, and I was and like can't you so, just get a piano player and they play the organ I'm like no no oh no 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 you have clueless. to hear you have to hear <laughs> that you know so
1: and then those folks are professional. So that's what they do full time. I mean, right. great, great money about doing it.
0: Right. right. Um, Savannah State. So you moved to Savannah to attend college after living your whole life in the city. And yes. what was what was that transition like? And you, you said, obviously, you, you loved it.
1: Yeah. Well, not at first. Um, I used to come down. My parents used to ship me to Savannah during the summers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like this experience. I mean, it was just like so hot. It's like so freaking hot. And, you know, you're hot. And it's hot, hot and it's I buggy, mean, right? And so then you basically in the house all day long until about six o'clock, mm-hmm. and you come out and play from six to about nine thirty, and then you come in and just do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I thought about that too is that you know, here I was um, in Carver Village, mm-hmm. um, in the first district, mm-hmm. not having any idea. That the places that, you know, I frequented as a child growing up here, um, you know, during the summers, that these were places that one day I would serve as as the alderman for the district. So it's kind of really surreal for me. But, um, you know, just the heat. And then when I got down here, you know, just the heat. Getting used to the heat and understanding, you know, the tricks to, to to deal with that. You know, understanding the cycles of sand gnats, mm-hmm. the cycles of mosquitoes. Oh, Savannah State, are bad. Oh, yeah. Oh. And the oh. cycle of those little black love bug things that um, I, I don't know why they exist. <laughs> um, but just understanding those cycles, again, and how you, you deal with them. And now, you know, I'm a Savannahian now, so I, I, I know how it goes.
0: Before we wrap up on on Brooklyn, you go back today and obviously the last fifteen twenty years, Brooklyn has I don't know if gentrification is the right term, but Brooklyn has really Transformation. up and up. You know, it's it's almost an extension of Manhattan now. When you go back now, what are your what are your impressions? It
1: is an extension of Manhattan. Um, and it is
0: an example
1: of how you define success. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become extremely gentrified. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much different than I knew it growing up. And I've watched this because, again, I go, I go to New York regularly and see my parents. So, you know, just seeing how the Barclays Center, when it was put there, right. how many houses were taken out mm-hmm. of that. And you're right. I've never thought about it, but it is an extension of Manhattan. I mean, there are – I have friends that live, um, you know, downtown off of Atlantic Avenue, um, off of um, – well, not Atlantic Avenue, Flatbush Avenue that is right near the foot of the um, – of the Manhattan Bridge, mm-hmm. and literally you're talking about $5,000 a month rent. Mm-hmm. Now, the views they have are out of this world. Nice, yeah. But, you know, we're talking about where do people go. Mm-hmm. And that crawl has, has changed. Williamsburg has, has changed. Um, you know, Clinton Hills has changed. Um, Bedford Stuyvesant, well, my mother's changed, you know, that's changed. And now they you know they call it Stuyvesant Heights now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think it's it's a a warning to me that we have to be careful as it relates to savannah Mm -hmm. um again brooklyn by all accounts is doing well they expanded their tax base obviously you know bigger businesses are moving there they're paying high dollar rents but on the other end of it there are people there who can't afford to live in brooklyn anymore and so for savannahans Uh, And for Savannah that, you know, development is is good, Mm -hmm. but it has to be managed. It has to be managed in such a way that it provides an overall community benefit and you don't create a situation like Brooklyn again where people now, you know, have to move to New Jersey. And literally, they have to move to New Jersey just because it's cheaper to live in New Jersey. They can't really move.
0: They can't move north. They can't move south. They can move a little bit east, but even that.
1: And we can't go east. That's Long Island. I mean, and so you... New York, Long Island has always been much more exclusive, and so yeah. you know, right? Yeah, so you moved with the Queens, or you know, and so it makes it much difficult, much more difficult. I think it really that experience with, it will be helpful to me uh, in this role, understanding you know how how this all occurred. And again, everybody, you know, everybody agreed. Oh, Barclays is going to be great, and you know, it's going to be good. You know, we're going to get the the New Jersey Nets, and I want to remind people, it's the New Jersey Nets. I mean, I love the fact that Brooklyn has a team, but it's still the New Jersey Nets. Mm-hmm. But the fact was, in all of that good, I mean, you have really just, you know, irrevocably
0: changed yeah, the character of an entire city. There's trade-offs with, with just about everything, which yeah. are, we all learn. Yeah. We all learn with age. The Difference Makers Podcast is a great way to learn about Savannah and those who make the city tick. But there's a catch, of course, the 2-week wait between episodes. Keep up with all that's going on in our town on a more regular basis by signing up for our free newsletters. We deliver an Opinion Page newsletter daily, and our news team does likewise. And for the foodies and Georgia Southern fans among the audience, weekly newsletters on those topics are available as well. Visit savannahnow.com/newsletters now to get those newsletters delivered straight to your email inbox. Again, that's savannahnow.com/newsletters. come back to Savannah, you start working? Are you working for the county? I, you worked worked with the county for a long time now. right?
1: Well, actually, no. I came back and my first professional job was actually with the Youth Futures Authority. Mm-hmm. And I was hired by Dr. Otis Johnson.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so that started my um, youth advocacy work. Um, I had um, middle schools and high schools in which Um, As you remember, as part of Youth Futures Grant, this was an opportunity for us to really do uh, intensive case management on children and families. Mm -hmm. Um, So here I'm relatively young, and I am spending most of my time running down kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of them that I still have relationships with today Mm -hmm. Um, because I was younger. I think I was a little more street savvy. Um, I could find them. I mean, these kids weren't going to school. They were running away from home. And I mean— you know, I hit the street at night and I would locate them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, many of them were able really to turn their lives around. And, um, you know, I was there for about a year and a half, maybe two years. And then I got laid off. Um, youth Futures, if, if you remember, changed its focus from youth advocacy to family advocacy. And so we needed less um Youth advocates, and so I was among the, the last hired. So I, was, I have a letter, and I remind Dr. Johnson from time to time that I have a letter terminating me right. from the Youth Futures Authority. <laughs> and so I was terminated. Here I am, you know, twenty three, baby, or so, um and with a master's degree, and couldn't find work. And I'm again applying for the City of Savannah. Why aren't y'all coming me back? Why aren't you calling me back? Why aren't you calling me back? And um, one day, I went to a what was called the Graduate Association of Public Administration. Um, it was an event of Savannah State. It was a little group of graduates, and um, there I met a lady named Beverly Whitehead. Beverly Whitehead was um, the Human Resources Director for Chatham County, and and I met her and talked to her, and you know we kind of got a rapport, and um, you know we became friends. And so um, one day, I happened to see her downtown. And I remember I just had. A, I mean, at that point, I was, I was about almost a year not working. I was just chilling. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, "You be in my office, you know, tomorrow morning at this time. And you'd be dressed appropriately." Mm-hmm. And she said, "I'm giving you a temporary job." And strangely enough, by the the what 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 caused that was now Mike Kegler, who was her number two, had went to do a temporary assignment in Public Works. Mm-hmm. And so I came over, and she said, well, you know, this is a temp job, and, you know, you show me who you are. And so, okay. So I I got into human resources, and um, Mike came back. And at that time, we had just hired the first African-American police chief. His name was Ron Lowe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in, integral in, in bringing yeah. him on to the county, onboarding him and that kind of stuff. Right. And um, and so at some point it was suggested, say, by both of them, you know, come over to the police department. And, and went into the police academy and, and graduated and became a Chatham County police officer. Mm-hmm. I did that for a, a little bit of time um relatively small amount of time and then I moved from patrol into school resources. At that time, the county had taken on school resources. So I had Pearlie Smith at the time um, and that was a a school that had the in school, out of school suspension kids. So these were, you know, the it's called Crossroads Academy, the the worst of the worst kids. And and again, you know, here I am engaging with young people that um, didn't necessarily find your way. And I mean, I think, you know, very few instances where I had to arrest a kid. I mean, you know, people would have thought that we were, but no. It was really about building rapport, and it was about creating those opportunities within the law and, and really connecting with them again. And maybe, you know, the fact that I was um, from Brooklyn gave me a little street credibility, but I just I could connect with them, and they could connect with me. Um, so I did that for a little while and um, got an mm-hmm. offer from Memorial. Um, which was paying more money at the time to go back, go there and be a recruiter. So I went to Memorial and became a, re, a recruiter there. And Mike became the public works director at Chatham County. And Beverly um, contacted me and said, Well, I have a vacancy. You're interested? Yeah, said, well, go ahead and apply. And I came back. And so that's 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, Beverly passed away in 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, and now at forty, she at forty-one years old, just died in her sleep, mm-hmm. and so um, I think of her often um, because for me and you know for a lot of people, sometimes you just need the chance, mm-hmm. um, you know, to do what you can do. In this case, I mean, you know, it was a temporary position, um, but it was just a place, you know. I don't know where my trajectory would have gone, mm-hmm. and so um, you know, I think about her often. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been my my employment career well right after that i left um well i was with the county and then became a reservist with the sheriff's department at the st lawrence and so i became a police instructor with okay. them and so i entered that last year that was like already 20 years right. uh, of law enforcement experience right. so you still have to your reserves you still have to do service you still mm-hmm. have to do training and that mm-hmm. stuff so um yeah, it's been a really interesting ride. But I think for me, it's just been a multiplicity
0: of different experiences that yeah. I get to try to draw on. Uh-huh. And that is, a, that is, of course, wrapping up. You said during your campaign that you were going to go ahead and retire. And we were talking earlier, February 28th? February 28th. February 28th actually will be
1: the um, exact day of my 25th anniversary. Exactly. And so I thought it would be a great way to wrap the bow. Um It's important to me as a professional not to leave uh, the county in a lurch. Mm -hmm. Um, I've obviously occupied space there for quite some time, and and although I um, don't have to resign um, theoretically, I could do both. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I just think it's just best um, for me to be able to stay focused, to have a little bit more time on my hands, to do some of those things that the city is going to need. So um, I'm going to go ahead and retire.
0: As we sit here today, we are one day short of three weeks since the runoff victory. Yes, and I know that uh, you—it's almost like the campaign hasn't stopped. Now, instead of campaigning, it's—it's it's thanking. Right? Can you talk about the the last couple of weeks? It's been bananas. Um, I probably last
1: night. I probably was the first night. I probably was home um, more than eight hours. At a, at a given time um I've done Christmas parties you know holiday parties holiday events Mark Tate's wedding I mean just those types of things it was just um it you know, you know, five to seven events Savannah is a place where they just love to get together mm-hmm. and um for me well and because of the short holiday season Um, everything was happening on the same weekend. So, I mean, I'm going to gala to gala to gala, Mm -hmm. holiday party, Mm -hmm. holiday party. And really, for me, it was really about going around and circling around and, you know, telling people, you know, thank you, um, you know, reintroducing myself. Mm -hmm. um, And I I wanted to make sure that I did that. So, although, you know, it was tiring, I think it was was really necessary um, because now everybody's voted for me. Everybody voted for me. (laughs) And I go around the city, everybody, everybody voted for me. And, and They say, oh, yeah, I voted for you. I'm like, really? (laughs) Okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate your support. Um, But again, you know, it's important for us um, if we're going to bring the city together, uh, if we're going to create um, a synergy um, between varying factions of our city, it's important to go where they are and, and be there where they are. So I've spoken with the chamber um, on multiple occasions, I've spoken with the um, tourism leadership council um, to assure all of them that the boogeyman has not arrived. Um, met with the governor briefly um, during his visit here. Um, again, you know, we we have to be positioned uh, appropriately, and I want people to understand that I understand very clearly from a theoretical and a practical standpoint that you know all of this stuff. Uh, operates in an ecosystem um, and you can't remove one mm-hmm. without affecting everything else sure. and so um, the business community um, you know admittedly you know were very supportive of me yeah. um, but I realize that they are very uh, integral to the success of the city. Um, they provide the economic drivers that we're, we're going to need and they have to be partners. Um, So I made sure to reach out to them, to the tourism community, even to this paper. I mean, again, we're all in this together.
0: Is the apprehension kind of surprising to you? I mean, you're not an unknown quantity. You've you've been on the council for a long time. I don't think anybody would ever accuse you of being anti-business. No, but I think what's happened is is that you have a council coming on board that
1: may not understand that, number one. Number two, they came from a place of... That, you know, big business is bad. Big business doesn't really care about the small guy. Or the tourism community doesn't really care about the small guy. And I, I think they haven't really had the opportunity to see, you know, where the dots are, are crossed. And, and how it's all stitched together. And I think that is what the challenge is. And since I'm the face of it, but I need to be able to, you know, extend that olive branch. So um, I don't think people really thought that I was like that. Or maybe they thought because they did not support me. That you know, I would come with kind of the, you know, Empire Strikes Back type of right. mentality and say, you know, screw y'all. But right. no, I mean, yeah.
0: um, and it might be the fact that you were you were running against somebody who very pro business, biz, uh, uh, comes from a businessman's background. So
1: five hundred thousand dollars in yeah. pro business, and right. and you know, in the business community, um, you know, to to be honest, I mean, put all of their chips on him, mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. And so now, of course, people are coming around. You know, let's be friends. And, and you know, and I'm fine with that. I and, mean, again, you know, it's politics. is, you know, there's a difference between elect, uh, governing and campaigning. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, you know, the campaign is over. It's time for governing. And I need all hands on deck.
0: Yeah, those, those people can really help you accomplish your your goals.
1: And I don't think that really – we have not really ever asked them in any significant way mm-hmm. to really be a part Mm -hmm. of these things um you know i think that issues of 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 city management poverty reduction um affordable housing that we have not really in a meaningful way said come and be a part of these discussions with us Mm -hmm. i think government just felt like well we could just do it all on our own um and i just know that that doesn't work um you know community-wide problems need community-wide solutions and for us uh, community includes business. It includes tourism. Uh, it includes military. It includes education. It includes a religious community. Um, and, you know, so for for me, my my ethos is really about big tents. It's about bigger tables. It's really about bringing people or bringing voices to the table who have not been there before. Now I think because we have a, a, a council that is risen. Largely from the community, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, you know the community's voice to be represented.
0: Yes, yes, you got we, a lot of people that they're they're grounded in community activism. Right. They may not have a lot of political experience, but. But they do have that. Well, and I said, an
1: right, and the interesting about that is that people will say, well, you know, it's a brand new, you know, and they are. They are brand new to this job. They're not brand new to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have a council that has some really interesting backgrounds of, of paths about how they got to this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm hoping that the community will, A, understand that, you know, you know, we we don't despise small beginnings. Every every journey begins with a single step, mm-hmm. and so you know it's going to take some learning um, for them. But I think you know they'll they'll do well. I think they'll do well.
0: We are speaking with Savannah's mayor-elect Van Johnson. episode of the Difference Makers podcast. Before we continue our discussion, let's pause and recognize the Difference Makers presenting sponsor and a real Difference Maker in our community, the Savannah Economic Development Authority. The team at CETA is pushing to make Savannah a great place to work and live. CETA is committed to creating, growing, and attracting jobs and investment in the Savannah region. Whether a business looking to relocate to the Savannah region or an existing business ready to grow and expand, CETA is the centrifuge of a propeller making the connections, helping propel the business to success. Learn more about the Savannah Economic Development Authority and what they do in the Savannah community by visiting ceta.org. Now, back to Van Johnson. That sets up an interesting situation for you, right? Because you've got a, a bunch of rather green folks when it comes to legislating and governing right which i guess in some ways says okay well i can kind of they can learn things right from the beginning if we can build on that right but then again you're also not with the experienced people that are used to policy which way would you prefer it would it be better to have a mix And how do you go about kind of grooming Mm -hmm. these these folks? Well, I think it's always better to have a mix.
1: Uh, When I came on council in 2004, um, we were five new council members coming on board. The Mm -hmm. difference, though, was that uh, Mayor Johnson had served not only on the council, but on the school board. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I worked in government. Jeff Felsa was an attorney. Right. I'm trying to think of who else came on with us. Uh, Mary Osborne, who worked in in nursing administration Mm -hmm. and... It was Ken Ken Sadler. Okay. and Ken Sadler had been a businessman. So, um, you know, again, you know, but you have four folks had already been there. Um, in this case, obviously, there's a learning curve. Obviously, um, it's an opportunity to, to to go a little slower. Mm-hmm. But I think the the great thing about that is this is an opportunity for us to educate an entire community. Yes, um, about stuff and because people wonder, well, why is These things the way that they are. And people come on sometimes knowing, you know, for example, in this last council, I mean, you had Bill Durrance coming. Bill Durrance is a really smart guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Julian had worked in government, he worked here at this paper. So you had people already knew kind of how things worked. In this case, you know, I'm really. Putting a huge emphasis on the city being able to educate people on those questions that you always wanted to know why. Mm-hmm. You know, what is Cedar's role mm-hmm. here? Um, you know, why are your water bills so high? I mean, people just don't really understand. So, uh, as we educate them, we get to educate the entire community. Mm-hmm. So, I think for that, that's that's the blessing in, in this opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned a couple of things we torn, before we turn the microphone on, and that was uh, strengthening. Um, the ethics ordinance and also talking a lot about parliamentary procedure and basically educating the new uh, aldermen and alderwomen on what their role is
1: and that's a very important thing and it's probably the most difficult thing for new council members to understand i think i had the benefit because i worked in government i understood roles people say that the the weakest people in the equation often are the mayor and council. Mm -hmm. Um, Citizens can call any city department, any city employee. Mm -hmm. Um, They can make requests of them. Um, And when you're in governance, you cannot do that. Um, It's forbidden. Um, The city government has um, the city council has, well, the council has three employees, the city manager, the city attorney, um, and the city clerk the bulk of the employees work under the city manager's authority. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the city manager can say, well, I want you to communicate only through me. Mm-hmm. And you know we're bound to be able to do that. I mean, we can't contact department heads, because it gives the impression of someone being coerced to do something. Right. And that's the reason why you have a council manager form a government to really pre- prevent undue influence mm-hmm. um, on city staff. Mm-hmm. And so for, for us, um, that is probably going to be the hardest thing because many of them were very active with various members of of, of the city, city departments. Mm-hmm. But that role has changed now. I mean, you know, now you have to respect, um, you know, the relationships as they are legislatively defined. And so that is that, you know, our communication goes through the city, um, yeah. through the city manager's office. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so sometimes I've told people that you get stuff done quicker yourself rather than if I do it I have to go through the city manager and go down right down the train. But sometimes you could just contact the department head. So um understanding what their roles are, understand the responsibilities of, of how things happen. Um we have to operate within the confines of the law. Mm-hmm. And so um because of that, you know, I wanted to make sure we've already had an orientation but we did kind of a city council one oh one. We've spoken extensively about um uh, open records and open meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to understand that their lives are not their lives anymore, which is right now I have
0: four cell phones. <laughs> Be, be, because it's true. And they're I mean, all light, lighting up right now. Yeah. Well,
1: because you know, our, the reality again is is that uh anything you do uh in terms of public work in the public space on a public device belongs to the public. Mm-hmm. And they have to understand that. Um they have to understand what a quorum is and that you know the reason why that if we're if you're in the same space it has to be announced. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, the the importance of uh, of news being, you know, kind of the eye of the people uh in those things, you know, from the days of Nellie Bly, you know, mm-hmm. just the importance of why it's important to to have the people present. Yeah, transparency. it yep. and it's an ex- it is, it's extremely, extremely. Mm-hmm difficult to make that transition right because you go from living a a private life to being in a fishbowl Mm -hmm. and that fishbowl is sometimes not fun right and so people will assume okay well you're talking together oh well they must be talking about city business Mm -hmm. and so we have to govern and i mean you know it'll be an adjustment period um you know and the things that we say publicly or privately, sometimes you know, okay, don't have the ability to be scrutinized as public officials. You know, people can say whatever they want to say to us, basically, and mm-hmm. you know, we just got to take it one for the team. Okay. And so, you have to learn that restraint, particularly on social media, Um, that you know, you just can't go after everybody that goes after you. Um, You know, so you know, I'm willing to help mentor them through that. Obviously, I've done it for quite some time, and. um I think they'll they'll be fine. Um, And then ultimately, next thing is for them. Uh, to understand their roles in terms of meetings, how meetings are conducted, you know, what is a motion? You know, what is a second? Why do you have a second in a motion? What is a first reading? What is a second reading? What is a first reading and a second reading? You know, what um, like, can you discuss? Right. What can right? What can you discuss? What is an executive session? What types of things are privileged? Um, and your responsibility as it relates to that. Um, Whether the first reading being considered, the second is all this place upon this passage and passed. What does that mean? Um, and to be ready that when their names appear on every lawsuit. That comes to the city of savannah i think when i first heard it, i'm like what? i'm being sued i don't even know this guy but you're you know you are the fathers and now in this case the mothers of the city so therefore everybody's suing you and so you know when you're the activist um and i mean i learned I get i was a radio show host and i have wrote a columns and all that stuff yeah, you know, when you cross that line, mm-hmm. nobody wants to be politicians until you're a politician. Mm-hmm. Now you're a politician, and so now the same people, your comrades and people like that, now are
0: now criticizing you. Right.
1: And that is sometimes a very lonely place to be. Right.
0: Where do we go from here? I know uh, January second is on the schedule as the first council meeting, but you're not going to have you're not going to do a business that council. You're going to have an inauguration, and Correct. then you're also going to have a a visioning retreat. Kind of talk about the. The first couple of weeks of, of sure.
1: your administration. Well, January first, the the mayor of the city of Savannah um, must be sworn in. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm trying to coordinate how that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it is pro- it is the oath that counts in that case because um, the city, you know, has to have continuous administration. So, um, say for a few hours, mm-hmm. you know, the city has to have a mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, in case there's some riots or something, mm-hmm. um, on on the second, um, again, you know, to be fair to the council and to the staff. Um, to just get up and start conducting business is to me wasn't very good so um, we've made the council meeting as our inauguration it's on the 2nd at 6.30 at the Savannah Civic Center we're inviting everybody to come out that's the of January 2nd at 6.30 at the Savannah Civic Center and again um, it's an opportunity for these seven new council members really historic and just in terms of the female influence on council mm-hmm. um, to, to be there and be a part and, and to celebrate the community um you know every four years we do this mm-hmm. and i think it's important for people to be able to say all right well you know whether i agreed or did not agree in the end this is the first opportunity for us to lock arms again and say we're Savanians mm-hmm. um and then you know, we'll have a visiting retreat i think on the 13th and 14th um when which we'll basically lock ourselves Into a room for two days. Um, Obviously, the press is inviting in, which, you know, we'll really talk about the things that are important to us. We cannot do everything that everybody has promised. Some of the things I've heard that were promised are not legal. Some of the things they have, some things I've heard are not possible. So when you galvanize strong teams, you have what's called you know four processes, uh, forming, norming, storming, and performing. Mm-hmm. And, and so in this forming process, and this was something that did not happen during the Deloche administration. I mean, we never met. When we met, probably it was year three, and it was for, for our strategic plan. Mm-hmm. And so that was an issue. But for, for this, and I mean, understanding that, you know, let's get in the room and let's just talk. Let's talk about the things that are important to us. Let's talk about the things that are most important. Um, Let's talk about the things we wanna tackle in year one, year two, year three, year four. How do we create people? And again, because it's visioning, it's bigger than projects. Mm -hmm. It's about direction. Mm -hmm. It's about how do we galvanize a group of nine previously unrelated individuals into some type of team um, effort. That, you know, and again, it's, it's a give-and-take process, but at the end of it, I hope that we will at least have some blueprint that we'll be able to do that. And my goal is to do one every year, you know. All right, let's look at the year before. What did we do? What did we did, didn't do? Do we need to adjust? Um, I want to look at the city's strategic plan as it is now. I want the council members to have it um, to determine is this, you know, still the way we want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to reinvent the wheel if it doesn't have to be reinvented, and I realize fully um, every administration you know has its good parts and bad parts, um, and you know no administration is perfect. So I think that there were some good things done under the DeLay administration, and the things that um, we think were beneficial, I think we need to build on that. Yeah. Um, and so I think that you know that is what that process is to really kind of galvanize um,
0: a team that we hope will be um, a high-performing team. to remind you about our other regular podcasts such as the at savannah opinion commute hosted by yours truly with a new episode that posts every monday wednesday and friday the commute is the easiest way to keep up with the latest news and happenings that savannians are talking about search for the commute with at savannah opinion on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe Episodes are also available through the SavannahNow.com website at SavannahNow.com/slash podcast. You can also check out our other podcasts, such as Georgia Southern Extra with its focus on Georgia Southern football, the Do Savannah podcast with its emphasis on local arts and entertainment, and the daily See You in the Morning podcast that offers a roundup of the day's headlines. As we start to wrap up here, I want to Kind of put you in a spot where you obviously have a list a laundry list of priorities and things and you know whether it's hiring a city manager or, or you know it's a, it's a long list i want to ask you to project out four years from now if there's a couple of themes and it can be completely big picture it can be i know that you and i have talked uh, in the past about uh, the, the racial and the class divide in Savannah and, and how we can kind of get past that. i have also talked about poverty reduction and affordable housing. As you look out four years from now, what do you hope if we're sitting in this chair in 2023, what do you hope you can talk about in terms of successes? Um,
1: that we have made significant progress through um, my one Savannah initiative of bridging the racial and class divide in our city. Mm-hmm. Um, that we have a committed group of, of individuals that have uh, put significant work in creating opportunities for people to come out of their comfort zones and just be together. Um, the second thing is that we were able to make an appreciable um, dent in affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that you know, hopefully we'll be able to do it in a really meaningful way. Um, again, I think the Deloach administration, um, we were able mm-hmm. to do some things as it relates to monies for those things, so I'm okay. hoping to be able to capitalize on that. you got money um, in Splost, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Um, the third thing is for us to really do something significant with food deserts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's low-hanging fruit. We have three of them in our city, and so I want to bring on partners to help us to really galvanize um, uh, our efforts um around food insecurity i think we could do that um relatively easily you know it might be to you know it might be grocery stores but it might also just be offering better food choices to be able to really tackle homelessness in a meaningful way um you know it's kind of the footnote that just happens um i really want to be able to um address that um how do we uh, get folks together and have them working on a coordinated plan to address you know, homelessness. Um, public safety and police. Um, I really want to create opportunities to bridge gaps between the community and police. Uh, Mayor Johnson did a, uh, a public safety task force report um, some years ago and I want to be able to bring that out and revisit it because it was an opportunity for the community to kind of examine the police department and at that time, it was a Metropolitan Police Department. But just to take the same things and see where we are with citizens' confidence in the operations of our police department. You know, also working with the police to really solve cold cases. Mm-hmm. Um, for every cold case, that means that there is a murderer walking our streets. And sometimes, if you get the right murderer, you can solve a clear two or three cases. Yeah. So there are, are parents and mothers out there that for this holiday season won't have their loved one around. I want to be able to really, you know, shine a light for the mayor's office on that. My goal is, uh, whenever there is a, uh, a homicide in our city, I plan to be on scene mm-hmm. um, because I think it's important to be able to show that no matter who it is, um, that that life was important. Um, beyond that, um, the idea came from actually Reverend Billy Hester, but they have on their on the side of their church um, on Henry Street. Yeah, this um, is Asbury, right? That's right, Asbury um, Memorial. They would put a, a ribbon every time someone is killed in Savannah. I want to do that from City Hall. Okay. Um, as, as a very vivid reminder um, of, of somebody's life that was taken in our community. Um, I want to aggressively address illegal guns. I think that's extremely important. Um And so how do we engage and get it? You know, and again, I I did a buyback program a couple of years ago. It was hugely successful for a very small uh, investment. So, you know, how do we get these guns out of people's hands? Mm -hmm. And the other end of it is to really create, hopefully, an ordinance to require individuals to lock their cars and, and and require individuals that if your gun is stolen, you have to report it. Because most of the guns that we're getting that we see are using these situations were stolen um, from people who left their doors wide open or from people who got who the gun stored and didn't report it. And so we have to really impress upon people how important it is. Um, and I want to address reentry. Um, of people returning. Mm-hmm. Um, when people have returned from jails and prisons and they come home and they don't find opportunities to do better, then they go back to what they know. Right. And so being a, a beloved community that I'm hoping that we will be, I'm hoping, again, to create those opportunities to have um, and again the business community is going to be very helpful This say hey you know if you really want to make a difference in your life let's help you make a difference in your life yeah. um, and I think that helps address some of our our crime issues because not all crimes are necessary out of opportunity some are out of necessity doesn't make it right but um, but that's what people do so um, I mean, it's a very aggressive work plan Yeah. Um, you know but I'm a, I'm a possibility believer I mean people say I couldn't beat Eddie Deloach Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we have a community that's willing to say, you know what, let's go in. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to go in hard and we're going to give it our best. Um, I'm just hoping that people will, uh, you know, not necessarily be very critical from the onset um, and, and just really be a part, you know, not be critical say, how can I help? How can I help? And then for us, you know, we have to look at issues of financial accountability. So, you know, um and we'll be doing a forensic audit. I think, you know, I mean, you know, I want to snapshot the end of this year so we're very clear. You know, whether we, we made progress or we didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so I'm very big on measurement. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do we what are our indicators um, to say that, you know, this administration had done the right things right. and how do we, you know, engage that? How do we prove that based on data? So um, if I'm sitting from you four years from now, I mean, you know, hopefully to my benefit that, you know, will you ever say, well, you know, yeah, you made it in here. Well, you made it in here right. and we'll be able to, to agree. Right. that you know the numbers are reliable and the data is certain so right.
0: i want to drill down on two of those and i'm going to let you go mm-hmm. the first is is race and class yes uh, you and i back in may talked outside the church the, the black press only event and i knew at that point you were very very conflicted and we had a we had a conversation that, that we don't need to get into the details here uh, a very frank conversation and i take it that those kind of conversations are probably what is going to move the needle, you think? What, what specifically needs to be done to try to kind of bridge those things? Bringing people together. Um, again, having
1: very frank conversations. People talk in silos, mm-hmm. and I've just been blessed that because I'm all over the community, I hear conversations from, from multiple sides. Um, and, you know, and it's expanded. Um, race, class, ethnicity, um, orientation. Um, and so if you have people at the table all talking, um, hopefully it gets to be better you know I mean obviously um, one of the by my not so bright moments was that day um, but yet you had a, a large amount of people in a church that felt they had to have a need to have this conversation and I learned later on because they didn't trust the white media to tell their story mm-hmm. you know and, and so then that brings on the question why is that? Mm-hmm. And so I think ultimately, and and you might be dragged into one of these conversations, Mm -hmm. you know, if you feel that way, tell us why you feel that way. And I said, it might be things that you didn't understand. It might Mm -hmm. be things they didn't understand, but it doesn't work with with people on Facebook saying it and and Twitter saying it, you know, let's bring these folks together. If you got so much Mm -hmm. mouth here on social media, let's have this conversation. Right. And then I think, you know, some of it, you know, it creates an opportunity again for education on your, you know, you know, what do you look at? How do you cover? What do you do? I mean, I heard people say, well, see, you know, when it bleeds, it leads. I mean, you know, I think people have to really understand that. And again, Mm -hmm. I want to be the kind of the convener in chief, so to speak, of just saying, you know, let's have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's bring together people who would not have gotten together otherwise right um to be able to say if they wanted to have a meeting again about having a singular black mayor or candidate mm-hmm. that you know we're so comfortable with that, that you know you want to come anybody can come mm-hmm. but you know that was that was a again we we had a long conversation mm-hmm. and if people don't realize this mm-hmm. um and I, but you could attest to it I spoke longer to you outside before and after mm-hmm. than I actually spoke inside two or three
0: times longer yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, and you know, so people were like, oh well, you know, this, you know, no, I mean, there were white people in there, um, you know. But again, the issue was that, you know, why did they feel that way? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the Savannah Morning News is a part of the community, mm-hmm. and if you're not serving the community or people don't feel like be, being served, then you need to hear that, mm-hmm. and you know, and if there are ways that you could better serve. You need to be able to tell people how how did how did that happen? That's right. Um, you know, obviously, since you've gotten here, I, you know, I, what I have appreciated was, you know, you have colonists now that, you know. It's kind of it's is a much wider array of columnists, so you know at the end that creates opportunities for people to bring their voices to the table. but I mean, those are conversations that I think we need to have, and so the mayor of Savannah can help force those conversations, yeah, um you know, how do we now bring this community together because the fact is the Savannah morning News and the media is a part of savannah, and the interesting thing about this. Now let it go is this, is that when communities are looking to come to to this community, and I, I spoke once with a company, I was thinking about coming. They look at the morning news. Yes, they do. All right, so if the morning news has on here crime, blood, guts, crime, blood, guts, well, what company is going to bring their their business and their people to this community? Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe we need to really look at, you know, how, to, how, how it affects us in a much bigger way. Mm-hmm. You know, when people, and that's why, you know, hence the I Love Savannah initiative um, that will be coming forth. Because, you know, I mean, there's a lot to like about Savannah. If 15 million people can come here during the course of a year and say that they love Savannah, mm-hmm then why can't the 146,000 live here every single day say they love Savannah? Yeah. You know, we have our problems like everywhere else, right. right? I mean, Chicago got 13 people shot in one singular incident. Right. I mean, so, you know, let's really accentuate the positives as, as a, a great savannian Johnny Mercer would say um, and let's be able to tell stories of 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 resiliency and of triumph. Um, and then you know where we we disagree then we just agree we agreed to disagree Um, I
0: just think we could do better than we're doing last thing affordable housing poverty reduction the current administration has established this um, blighted property uh, renewal effort to get some affordable housing there's money in splost. yes that goes that goes a ways probably doesn't go far enough um, what's what's next? What are some of the, you don't have to get into details, but what mm-hmm. are some of the ideas you have to, to kind of build on what has already been established?
1: The city owns a bunch of property mm-hmm. um, in residential neighborhoods. Some of it is, is FEMA lots, FEMA lots you can't build on, but we, we own other properties. And so I think, first of all, it's just looking at our existing inventory, um, and we have to be able to to establish an affordable housing policy, which we do not have. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how how do we define affordable housing? How much affordable housing do we have? How much do we need? And what are our strategies to get there? Um, So I think part of that is, again, looking at what we have. And if we have residential lots, uh, sell them, <laughs> yeah. sell them to developers that agree to be able to sell them to to, to redevelop them uh, as affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is we have to do something for the fairgrounds, mm-hmm. um, you know. And this has been a big issue for me. Oh, yeah. um, we paid more money than it was worth, and you know what? And I I, I voted for it because for me I saw it as a major opportunity um, for not only. A residential but recreation mm-hmm. um, in uh, the largest plot of land that we have that's available for development and so for us to control it I think it was worth the extra money now this thing has sat for over four years and nothing has occurred and so to me you know I mean it may be a little unpopular but we need to move forward with developing it as affordable housing and for recreation two things that our, our city needs I mean I've heard stuff about um, you know sound stages i've heard stuff about um boys and girls clubs and those types of things again you know we just need to to move forward on some of these things um the other thing is that you know the city of savannah is notoriously slow on most things relating to business and so you know people don't want to do business where stuff takes too long and so i want to be able to to speed those processes up um you know eliminate those silos within uh, within government So that do you know If we're talking about Turncree operations If we're talking about Consolidation of, uh, of Services where You know Someone comes in They don't have to wait You know Ten years to be able to do those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a, a large union population that we really don't utilize. I have much of a relationship with. I want to <laughs> be able to to utilize because again, for for us in a place like Savannah, unions pay great money. Mm-hmm. Um, and for people who college is not for them, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm an educated man, but when my educate my air conditioner goes out. Mm-hmm. I will pay an air conditioner man whatever he wants, whatever he needs. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, and, that's and how I lot. think we have to. Yeah, we I think we have to look at really the diversifying our um our employment base mm-hmm. and so you know uh, entrepreneurship is a way to do that right right
0: the other thing with the affordable housing of course is, is trying to do some things to incentivize or put some policies oh, in place where people that are are developing real estate include affordable right. housing in
1: there, right? right well and then our, the inclusionary zoning piece the um the density piece i think we might have you know gotten a little past the density piece, but um, you know, we at one point we were incentivizing hotels, mm-hmm. and actually, believe it or not, in, in some places across the city, hotels um, have transformed into affordable housing, mm-hmm. and actually became you know became more profitable as affordable housing than it was as a hotel. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, I think we that's where the business community comes in and say, hey, you know, this is what we do. We're going to make it very worth your while. To to develop housing, yeah. and I think what happens is what we say is important, what we demonstrate is important. People will then make it important.
0: Yeah, that's kind of top of mind because we learned last week the Chatham apartments. All those two hundred and thirty three people are going to have to be relocated. Right, and we again, can people outside of the historic district. Right, so but then people coming in there
1: saying, "Oh, well, you know, the city needs to do something about it." And again, it's private property, okay. and it was a private sale. Um they're not it's not a housing authority thing and they you know, they're promising to relocate people. Mm-hmm. Um so we don't have a role to play in that so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um but again, you know, as the downtown and just outside the historic district become more valuable, mm-hmm. you'll see, you know, people doing stuff like that, saying, Oh yeah. well, you know, we need to re yeah. you know, redevelop this into something that's more profitable.
0: Right. Well lots of challenges ahead and I know that you're you're excited to get to it or or apprehensive or all of the above, but I'm sure that uh, it is um, what it is.
1: Extremely humbled um, and, and gratified, you know, that people think enough of you to, to give you the opportunity. And so all I could do is, you know, put on a uniform every day and go out there and try the best I can. Yeah. Um, you know, but sometimes I'll strike out, So sometimes I'll take some balls, um, but I'm going to get some hits. And hopefully with a a great uh, progressive council, you know, we'll hit some home runs. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's what I'm looking for. Right.
0: Well, Mayor-elect Van Johnson, thank you for coming in. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Adam. And thank
1: you for allowing me the opportunity to to, to come and ramble forever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Savannah's Mayor-elect Van Johnson for sharing his story on Difference Makers. Thank you also to our presenting sponsor, the Savannah Economic Development Authority. Tap into the Difference Makers archives anytime on your favorite podcast app to hear interviews with more of Savannah's community leaders, such as local high school basketball coach Tim Jordan, the Georgia Ports Authority's Griff Lynch, and James Beard award-winning chef Mashama Bailey. Difference Makers is a production of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. Our next episode will post January the 10th and features local state senator Ben Watson as he prepares for the start of the 2020 legislative session. Thank you for listening.